Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, hosted by Justin Bradford and Matt Best. Hello and welcome to Triple P, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, Justin Bradford, Matt Best, and all of our friends behind us, which for Matt is jerseys and pops, and for me it's pretty much all pops and bobbleheads. <laughs> yeah, we, so we're not, we're not totally alone in this life. Just kind of. I, I mean, you you can't be alone. You just had your birthday. Uh, true, and I was at Disneyland. Yeah, I was gonna know, say last weekend. You want to talk about that now, true. or you want to talk about it later? We'll talk about that later. Let's address let's address the non elephant in the room. <laughs> the Preds are uh, not off to a great start of the season. <laughs> that was nice. But here's the funny thing: they're fifth in the division. Because, let's see, the Avalanche has started off 1-3, and three, uh, Coyotes 0-3, and 3, 0-3-1, and, and the Blackhawks are 0-4-1. Yeah. A big oof uh, to the start of the season for the Central Division. But the National Predators, this is one thing. I know people are getting frustrated when they see so many things, but this is... I want to say what I expected because I want to say, you know, I was right or anything like that. But this is what it's going to be is a lot of getting really close and some growing pains that they could be competitive in a game. There'll be, there'll be some really good things. There'll be some things that'll frustrate the absolute shit out of you. You're yeah. like, if you just would have done this, you probably would have won the game type of actions. And that's what I saw against the Rangers was because the penalty kill, even though they shouldn't have been putting themselves in trouble, the penalty kill are great. I mean, there are some good active sticks. There were an opera. There was a time where it seemed that the predators had more offensive possession than the Rangers did on the PK. Some Colton Sissons was great on the PK, so that looked good. Philip Tomasino, we'll talk about him more later. I mean, just great presence by him just to bank it off of Sturkin and, and to get his first NHL goal. So it was good for the kid to get that. Uh, some some bright spots there. Then when you're down and you're in late in the third period and you pull the goalie and you have limited time, obviously, to try to tie the damn game, and you dump and chase <laughs> the goddamn puck. What are you doing? You have the extra attacker carry that bitch in. What What is going on to where you feel like, uh, well, you know what? There's only two minutes left in the game, but we should totally just dump and chase and, you know, make it a 50-50 chance that we regain possession. Oh, that's right. Our net's empty. <laughs> it, uh, that kind of shit. That kind of bullshit. It baffles me to say the least i like if you look at the shift charts for the last three minutes of the hockey game mm. matthias Eckholm, mm. matt duchene philip forsberg ryan johansson minus like 10 seconds mikhail grandland roman yossi were the only players out there mm-hmm. so that to me means that john hines does not trust his other players to be out there for a critical scenario now what i find the most bullshit among all bullshit things is how Mr. Tolvanen only had two shifts in the third period, one lasting exactly 20 seconds, the other one lasting 29 seconds. I don't understand how Tolvanen is not your guy. I mean, you saw the chemistry with Forsberg last year on the power play, where if Tolvanen can set up by the circle, he has his own little wheelhouse there. Or you saw early in the season when he can bat the puck down in the slot and score. He has offensive upside. That's not like breaking news to anybody. It blows my mind that he wasn't out there and that John Hines decided to just tax his top guys for three minutes straight. You've played hockey. I've played hockey. Being out there for more than like 30 to 45 seconds when you're giving it all you got, it's it's hard. 
and like we're not professional athletes by any stretch of the imagination. I'm really out of shape. But like, <laughs> can you imagine three minutes out there busting your ass as hard as you can? It, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. That was one of the biggest coaching like mishaps that I've seen from John Hines in his tenure. Yeah, it's it. That's what I did not understand there too, because you do have some other offensive talents. You know what? Throw them out there. Throw them Mix out there. Mix what, it. What's the What's the worst that could happen aside from losing by giving young guys a chance when the pressure is on and the stress is high to show up and put the team on their back and win the game? How else are you going to build confidence in young players without putting them in stressful situations when they have to learn how to come from behind, be a little more defensively responsible, but really cheat in as well to try to score when you have an empty net? Those are the situations that you just can't practice. You can, you can do it in practice, but the energy is not the same. The adrenaline is not the same. Nothing is the same. The only way that they're going to get opportunities to do that is to do it during a game. And they've already had to pull their goalie multiple times this season to try to come back. Give them an opportunity. You have Philip Tomasino, who looked good all game. It wasn't like it was just, oh, he scored a goal and then didn't look good the rest of the game. He was buzzing. He really was buzzing. He had some good opportunities overall in that game against the Rangers. So it wasn't like it was a one-off. Yay, he scored his first NHL goal and then was invisible the rest of the game. That was not the case. So you put him out there when the kid obviously has a lot of confidence and has the energy to do that. Put him out there and see what's going to happen. I mean, that's, that right there is the really frustrating thing is that if they lose, then I'd rather them lose knowing that young guys are getting opportunities to prove themselves or then like, veterans not being able to, to, to pop it in. And that's going to happen too, but just give them opportunities. I wouldn't have had a problem at the end of the third period if they decided for the last minute and a half, maybe minute to minute and a half, that they were going to run Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne, Granlund, like right into the ground. Sure. But for that other minute and a half towards the end of the game where you have complete puck control, you want to ha like mix it up. That's that's all we're really asking. Also, I feel like John Hines game scripted this game from the beginning, and he just had it destined to like for failure. Uh, you look at the lines, or not the lines, you look at the time on ice, and it was the Philip Forsberg, it was the Mikel Granlund, and it was the Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson show. And then it was just everybody else had 10 to 13 minutes of time on ice. And I'm just talking about forwards here. Defense actually was managed quite well in terms of minutes, so I won't bitch about that too much. But it just felt like Hines was like, here are my top guys for the game, and everyone else can go F themselves. And then Tolvanen is just sitting there with 10 minutes time on ice, and it's like 10.02. Yeah. Makes him the lowest among all forwards, by the way. Tommy Novak, 10.06. I mean, those two guys... Because it couldn't stay out of the box either. Yeah, like... So, I mean, he would have had at least three more shifts if they would have stayed out of the box. Yeah, and... At least close to 12, 12 and a half, maybe even 13. Minutes. To me, I just don't get... And I've never, like, stared at a shift chart so much in my life. <laughs> Why, like... God love Tanner Janot. That's... I, I don't hate him. I don't dislike him as a player. If you've ever heard us talk, you know that I quite enjoy him. But Nick Cousins, Colton Sissons, and Tanner Janot in the middle of the third period should not be taking a bulk of the shifts away from skill guys like Tolvanen, from skill guys like Luke Cunning. Like, these guys should be out there and at least playing. Like, Yakov Trenin shouldn't be getting shifted late in the third period when you're trying to come back into the game. That's just not how you come back from hockey games. I understand putting Tanner Janot out there 
sure, if you want a big body presence and if that's how you're going to do it, and if you're going to jumble the lines a bit and find a place for him, but if you're going to traditionally slot him in with his other line mates, you're not going to create offense. Nick Cousins does not create offense. Uh, Colton Sissons does not generate offense whatsoever. Who can generate offense? How about Philip Tomasino, who created five shots of his own? and scored the Predators' only goal. How about uh, Tolvanen, who we've seen have a couple really good plays this year and has been a surefire bet on the shot prop game because the guy just fires the puck a ton. This game, one shot. Like, it just feels like the game script was flipped on its ass from what should be a successful Pred script. The young kids aren't getting a shot, and it's all the old guys that are getting, like, the leeway to go play their game, (laughs) which is not what you want to see this season. No, not at all. So... Four games in, the Predators are, I'm not surprised where they're at. No, I no. mean, the, I don't think many people are in terms of expectations that they're probably going to be streaky this season. They're probably going to have a, a three-game winning streak at some point, and people are going to get their hopes up, and that's going to be okay, but you're going to see good things happen, and they're probably going to have a losing, losing streak of three or four games, and it's going to be streaky this year because when you're playing a lot of young guys because they're one of the youngest teams all of a sudden in the NHL, that's going to happen, and that's okay. I would prefer that to happen because it means they're learning. Now, if you spoke to Tanner Janot, I did the Predators pregame show at 125 The Game. I'm talking about Tanner Janot and how, you know, his game winner was nice uh, against L.A. And how we, we've even talked about it here, how he's usually pretty smart. He doesn't take a lot of penalties. And what does the dude go out and do against Rangers? He takes two penalties. Yeah. It was, it was a very punchy game from the start, too. Even without Ryan Reeves in the ice, that was a punchy game. It was very curious because it's like these they, they see each other twice a season. They didn't see each other all last season. I, I just <laughs> think that has a lot to do with how the Rangers are this year. Right. The Rangers are a, they're not taking shit this year and they're a lot of fun to watch. Um just circling back to like what you said about where the Predators are and the standings and things like that, they're exactly who we think they are. They're a team who's going to struggle to score goals, but defensively they're not terrible. UC Soros has been great this year. Like, great is an understatement. His numbers are going to be good in fantasy hockey. You're not going to get a lot of wins out of him, though. That's the bad part. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no, like, big stat that we can look at and go, well, this ship is sinking. Like, the Coyotes and the Blackhawks, minus 14, minus 12 goal differential. Like, that's that's dog shit. That's very bad. The Avalanche, six goal differential, but we know the Avs are the Avs, and they'll be fine at the end of the day. The Jets, 14 goals for, 15 goals against. The Jets are just playing how the Jets usually play. Connor Hellebuck has to be like at an 8 out of 10 in order for that team to flourish. Hellebuck's been at about a 5. He needs to be higher in order for them to do something. Stars are playing their defensive game. 8 goals for, 9 goals against. I think you'll see goals start going that way. And I'm not going to break down the Blues and Wild because they're doing pretty much how I thought they would. The Preds will be... They'll chill for this like third last, second last, dead last position all year long. I think the Coyotes are better than what they seem to be. I think the Blackhawks are, are. Yeah, I think they are. Did you are. see the lineup they put out? Yeah, last night, though? but I like. And I th- they tweeted out, "Time for something different." I don't think they will be any higher than last or second last in the division, but I don't think they're 14 goal difference bad right now. I think they're slightly better than that. If okay, they continue, as long as you're still saying no, no, no. Last if if last. they continue on this pace, they'll have a historically bad year, like in terms of goal differential. I just don't see that being sustainable. The Blackhawks, I think, will be better. Um, yes, they will. The Preds are just kind of up shit's Creek right now. They're just... Yeah, I, and this is it. This is the growing pain that you have to expect with a young team. Well, and the, a young team. Well, this is what I would... I mean, and how many times have we harped about this? Just acknowledge your rebuilding. 
and just yeah. call it that. Don't come up with these these kitschy terms of competitive rebuild it's... or rebuilding on the fly or anything like that. Oh no, because it's still not a full on rebuild yet. But if they had accepted it was a rebuild, they'd be in a much better position. And I know it's difficult to handle that when it comes to ticket sales and things of that sort, especially when you have the Titans doing really well and Nashville SC doing well and about to open their stadium and everything too. It's it's everybody's competing for your dollars in Nashville, but for the sake of this organization, the, it, I just wish they would acknowledge it instead of trying to still push to the playoffs, making that their goal. The goal this season should be get these young guys a lot of experience and chemistry together. Cause can you imagine in the future if Tomasino and Tolvanen are on a line together after like a year or two of chemistry building, they'd be great. Well, be extremely they'd, dangerous. They'd be, yeah. Dangerous. I think is the better way to put it. We don't yeah. know how good they'd be. Right, um, dangerous. So opportunities. I've, I've started thinking more and more and more and more, and it's always been like, so Best why did they? Too. Yeah, why did they sign Granlund? And all of me is like, if they sign Granlund, they're clearly going in the term of this is a retool, not a rebuild. Then part of me started thinking again. Philip Forsberg might be gone at the end of this season, and your most veteran forward at that point that doesn't make eight million dollars and is kind of consistent becomes Mister Granlund. And that's why he's wearing the A now. So that's why he's now the insurance policy. That's it. Like, yeah. I, if you're going into next year, and I know we're only a few games in, your game plan has to be lose an $8 million contract for the love of God, please finally do it, and then build around <laughs> your other $8 million guy and Grant and Grandland and whoever else is left. Like, that, to me, would signal a rebuild. Having one yeah, boat anchor finally. and then one kind of good player – then right. that's your rebuild. Right now, it's a retool. <laughs> like they build it as a retool, and this is a retool based on how John Hines is either playing his lines as he's been told to do so, or the way he's doing it himself. I never know with David Poyle. There is no other organization <laughs> in the NHL that even comes close to puppeteer and puppet. Um, I I just this is it. This is like if we're gonna title an episode, this is it. This is how this team is going to be all year long. We're going to have me and you going, why did John Hines slash David Poyle do that? It's That's going to be the full season unless they pull a rabbit out of their ass. And that rabbit could be Yusuf Saros. That and would be the only thing. flew out last year. He that was that the would savior. be the thing because they would just they would score some timely goals and then he would, he, would, he would have it going for him. Yeah. That's like the only – it's so much easier for a hot goalie to carry a team than it is for one hot forward to carry a team. You yes. need, like, the whole line to be hot. You need two lines to be hot because Soros can steal a game, but you saw what happened. Tyler Bertuzzi scored four goals in a game, and they still lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You, you can't rely on your offense, and when your offense is comprised of two guys making $8 million who uh, aren't looking like that this year. <laughs> right, so- I feel cheated, though. <laughs> We had a nice little look at Matt Duchesne. He's been looking good, and then he's just disappeared again. And that's why it's going to be a streaky season for him. All right. With that all, line jumbling. My goodness. It's like it's still preseason with them figuring things out, which they did play a lot of prospects in the preseason. I mean, you saw Afanasiev. You saw plenty of Davies, plenty of Tolvanen, Tomasino, guys like that. Novak. But there's a lot of jumbling going on right now. And also, you send Cody Glass down after two games. <laughs> you have now scratched Philippe Myers. Those are the two acquisitions. Uh, Came in the trade. 
Uh-huh. So they're not playing. And I I mean, I would obviously rather see Borvietsky and Benning out there than Ben Harper. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, but can we just have one and not two of them? Right. So speaking of that, the first goal by the Rangers was Borvietsky blowing his assignment. Because it, it, if you didn't see the highlight, folks, or just to break it down, Mark Borvietsky, him and Benning are skating back, are backtracking as the play is coming and the rush is coming in. Borvietsky releases from his position on the left and goes to attack the putt carrier. Well, that leaves a winger wide freaking open. <laughs> the right winger wide freaking open to come in because Matt Benning couldn't switch in time. Like, you don't switch on the rush. <laughs> you, you switch when you're carrying it out or you switch in the neutral zone, not on the rush back. So I understand what Borovieski was trying to do, but damn, dude, it left it wide open. So, and Benning tried. He tried to switch, but it was too late. And just it was wide open snipe. And it was a soft goal overall let in by Saros too, that he would obviously want back. But had there been a defender there, he would have pushed him further to the outside and wouldn't have had as easy of a shot on Saros. This, so, like... <laughs> Your third pairing is going to let in shitty goals all year long, though. Like Right, but don't blow your assignment. No, but I mean, every game, a fourth line or a third liner or a third pairing defenseman is going to choke away a goal in almost every NHL game just because whoever's playing the matchup game will have their top line out against, and, well, it happened. I mean, that right. wasn't the top line that the Rangers had out for that goal, but it was... I think it was their second line. Yeah, it was their yeah. second line. Yeah. Um, that is going to happen. It's just like, I don't know. It's going to happen. I would rather see Myers out there instead of one of Borvietsky or Benning. That's my Myers get blasted because he's still at least uh, young. Dante Favreau didn't look bad. No. Yeah. Look pretty, pretty good. It looked good. You look good. I I like Carrie. Carrie was willing to stand up and play the body, not get pushed around. That's what you want to see out of the younger guys is they're not getting pushed around. Like what Ellis did against Dallas in the playoffs. Uh, (laughs) So, on the forward side, plenty of jumbling going on there. They they kept Novak in, scratched Gamaldi, uh, put Tomasino back in, and you move Trennan up to the second line, was it? And then Cousins down to the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Look, I understand making adjustments, but if guys are going to build chemistry, they've got to be able to work together a couple different times, mm-hmm. more than just a game, especially young players. Veterans... They're, they're move them where you need to a lot of times because they can learn more quickly. But young guys that have maybe only played one season in pros or two seasons of pros or less, like Tomasino, Tolvanen, guys like that that are young that are still adjusting and everything too to the speed of this game, can't be switching up their line mates all the time. No, I so I... Uh, <laughs> that I, that line jumbling gets me so much. Preseason's one thing, but doing it four games into the regular season this much, it also is concerning to me. It would have been fine had there not been so much new blood in these lineups. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and higher talented new blood is what I mean. If you look at a different team that only brings in, like, one or two new pieces, but they're veterans in the league, they'll line jumble to start the season, no problem. But like you said, for a season like this, we're kind of who gives a shit and just let the kids play, like, kind of season, you don't need to be putting X with Y. Just run your lines. You're dedicated to that first line, whatever, sure, do that keep Tolvanen and Granlin together and you can add a part there if you want to, 
but this weird line strategy with the high minutes for four people and then everyone else can go F themselves and play 10 to 13 minutes, that's the thing that irks me the absolute most. Your kids are going to struggle. Tomasino's going to struggle. He's going to go probably seven or eight games at one point this year without a point. That's just, that's what happens. Trevor Zegers last year went up and down between the AHL and NHL, and this year he still does not look 100% ready, but the Ducks are committed to him because they let him have that experience in the AHL, which is what Tomasino got last year in the AHL, that full season, just playing with all the big boys and the higher talent. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why Philip Tomasino should be getting scratched, and there's no reason why he should be playing less than 14 minutes a night. Oh, play the damn kid. Play him. Play the kid. Play. To- I didn't think I'd have to say play Tolvanen this year at all. Play him. Think play that. him. Those two are the only two, honest to God, that I care about getting this ice time that we're harping about consistently for these kids. It's it's yeah. these two basically the whole time. This is the next step for the franchise. These are speaking the faces. Of the kids, speaking of the kids, Igor Afanasia, first North pro North American goal. Good for him. I, it's only a matter of time till he's up to. Only a matter of time, and boy, I want a big body like that. I cannot wait to see what he's able to do. But you give him like, a couple of years, he could be a good power forward. It for just team. worries me with the way they are playing their prospects right now. That yep. maybe he's yep. better suited off down there right now. Oh boy, because there's only so, enough space for a couple people to be benched. <laughs> so Matt, are there any positives? Yeah. There's a few. Okay, I want to hear yours first because I've I've done a lot of rambling and ranting. Yeah, no, Yusaros looks great. Uh, mm-hmm. His usual cold start where he lets in a couple garbage goals like each game <laughs> for the first couple weeks, kind of looks like it's past him. I don't know if that's a mental thing with him just being like, all right, this is my crease. I don't care. I'll do what I want and I'll just play fantastic. It, it almost feels like he's playing again with no pressure like he was last year down the stretch. It was just. I am the man now. I've stole this from everybody. I will continue to go. Uh, minus, you know, no, Tolton is still a bright spot. He is shooting the puck. He is shooting the puck like a madman, which is what I love to see. A lot of shot props, by the way, have him at one and a half, which is ridiculous. Hammer the over on that. Uh, yeah, Saros and Tolvanen have been my bright spots. Tolvi looks like he belongs in this league. It's not a question of was he called up too early last year or anything like that. It's just he's a full-time NHLer. He's a bona fide NHLer that I don't think is going to experience a huge sophomore slump. All right, yeah, Saros would be a bright spot for for me as well. And penalty kill has overall looked pretty decent. Uh, power play, I mean, tiny bit better. I mean, it's not <laughs> bottom of the league right now. It looks like they're trying to be a little more creative and doing some cross-place passes. I I like when I have seen some good pressure that they're not just always whipping it around. And I know heat maps will say otherwise, but overall I'm they're trying to pass, but a lot of these passes are going into the boards. <laughs> yeah. So you see it's it's that's for the chemistry. You keep changing up the chemistry, they're not gonna be able to get it together. So you can see there's right thought processes going on, but they don't have the chemistry yet to know my teammates gonna be right here because that's where they're going to be because I know they're going to be there. And it's not it's like gonna take time to do that. We're not asking for like half a season of the same lines. Give them like six games together plus the practices. Yeah. That's that's yeah. all we really need please, here. And you will please. build the chemistry off that. Like we're not asking for a 10-15 game waiting period. No, no. So I, I think there's it's with anything, it's I don't want to be the person that is, well, you can't even say anything positive, which I don't think anybody's gonna complain to me about me complaining. Most people <laughs> tend to enjoy frustrated Bradford on stuff. I do. I do. Uh, 
but I will try to find silver linings as well because you have to find silver linings when the team's going to be a little frustrating to watch because you have to hopefully understand what the process means. The process should mean that they should be better when the youth is able to grow into their positions. That's what the hope is when a team is going through it. But management has to make the proper decisions in terms of prospect management in order for that to happen. That's where the questions come in a lot of times with that. Now, here's hoping that maybe with Scott Nickel, with a bigger position too, uh, general manager of the Milwaukee Admirals and now also an assistant general manager, can play a role because obviously you have three assistant general managers now with the Preds, uh, one of them being also the head of scouting, other one being the head of player development, that you get some of those guys that will hopefully put an ear (laughs) or get in David Pold's ear about some decisions and everything too. Uh, So that's, that's the hope there. Okay, and now we picked out our positives. What is one negative that we haven't discussed yet? One negative that because I I, I have discussed. one. If you want time to think, I do have I do need time to think. Okay. Go for it. The one negative that usually I gave John Hines a lot of credit last year for his ability to coach on the fly. I, it feels like he got space jammed and he does not know how to do that anymore. Because it used to be the Preds would take one period off last year. And it was usually the first period and usually the second period. This year, first period starts look pretty good. And, like, they can usually stand the whole period. The second period this year, I don't understand what's going on. It almost feels like the first two minutes is a continuation of the first period, which is fine. And then the opposing coach does something. And John Hines freaks the hell out and has no idea how to manage it and just goes, dump and chase. And that's it. Like, I, I don't understand why the in-game adjustments are taking so long. Like, a full period, does he go back into the dressing room after the second period and go, boys, what do we do? Like, as the head coach of an NHL team, you got to figure it out on the fly. you got to go and you got to make sure your team isn't sitting around for, the fir- for uh, like, 20 minutes of just not looking like a good hockey team. And it, it, it might come from a fluky goal some nights that you have on your 10 seconds of offensive zone time. And then you turn it around. But more often than not, John Hines has to figure it out and figure out a way to create offensive pressure with these kids and just control the puck. Because I couldn't tell you how many times watching this game against the Rangers where I'd be looking at my one screen doing work and then I'd look over and be like, Rangers have the puck again. And i just look over, <laughs> Rangers have the puck again. It, it's, uh, it, I they actually won 55% of their faceoffs too. So they yeah. had opportunities to keep possession. It's, it's meddling. It's kind of weird and confusing how... There are no in-game adjustments in, like, the second period specifically. Well, I did think of another positive. Okay. And that would be uh, video coach Lawrence Filoni and video coordinator Andrew Maloche. Because, yet again, they were able to challenge a goal for being offside, and they were correct. Mm-hmm. I don't believe, like, and this is not me exaggerating, because I saw others tweeting about it, too. I don't believe this tan- this v- Lawrence Filoni as the video coach. I don't believe he's ever lost a challenge for offside. Wow. Maybe I mean, that's because he doesn't challenge close ones. Well, it's it's one of those things, too, that they're very good at making decisions quickly. And it happens maybe, what, two or three times a season? So yeah. not all that often. But when they when they make the call, they make the call and they make the right one. Yeah. And not <laughs> it should have been a momentum swing. <laughs> but then the Rangers Thanks. tallied one of their own again. Uh, but props to them for just continuing to be on top of things uh, and making those decisions to keep the team in the game too. Because the opportunity is there for you to challenge it. Challenge the damn goal if you if you know that it's offside. And the thing is, with how fast the game is, it is difficult. 
I mean, it's obvious when you watch things in slow-mo, but in the heat of the game, the speed of it, obviously not obvious. Yeah. So I, I honestly can't think of another negative aside from all the things that I just bleh out. At the yeah, I, I just more or less wanted to so, moan about I know the poor game calling pretty much. So uh, we should move on to fun stuff now. I like fun stuff. Okay, I have things to show you. Yeah, you wouldn't show me before the show, so... Well, no, because I want you to be surprised. So, I've been looking for this for a while, because when I went to Disney World... Not my pee-pee. <laughs> and I found it! It's been here the whole time! The whole time? The whole time? <laughs> if you get that reference that I just made, folks, when what movie and what actor that I missed dearly, please let me know. So, I've been looking for this... And Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, it was not in stock. They didn't have any of these in stock when we went back in August. And it is a Sith Wayfinder. Move it to your left. Yeah, yeah. I forgot I got to cover my face. It's a Sith Wayfinder. Make sure you're watching this and going to this point. Oh, I'm going to watch on my other screen because it's a lot bigger. But you're framed up, don't worry. So what you do when you have it turned on, you can hear this, right? Oh, yeah. Don't you worry. It's getting picked up. Okay, you put in your kyber crystal. Yeah. And then it's going to talk. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Damn it! Why is it not talking to me? I have to press it the right way. Yeah, you do. That's pretty cool. Okay, that was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That was That's, worth it's, it. It's pretty cool. So <laughs> I now, think the temper tantrum was a little funnier, though. What can, what'll happen, too, is I can put this on top of my Jedi holocron, and it'll also have special, special messages when you get them together. Do you have a Jedi holocron? Yes. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it's the square one. You put your kyber crystals in that one that are Jedi crystals, and those have messages. But if you put the red one and the Jedi one, you get Yoda chastising you for going to the way of the dark side. That's cool. So it is pretty cool. I, and I had not known what my red kyber crystal says because it will not read it in the Jedi holocron. You have to put it in the in the Sith Wayfinder to know. So how long have you been sitting Sith on it? Lord. I've been sitting on one kyber crystal, red one. I have two other ones I need to test. But I've been sitting on one red one now since January 2020. Oh, my God. So this was great for you. Yes. That was the first time <laughs> I ever heard it, too. I'm amazed you didn't record it. I would have loved to see your like first reaction to it. Well, no, this was the first time. Oh, right now, it was? Live. That was my first time. Oh, I like in. that. Okay. <laughs> That's why you it. were so upset when it didn't work. Now I was, I, saving it. I was saving it for you. Oh, thanks, sweetie. Saving all my crystals for you. That's cool. I like that. What else did uh, you get? Another thing, because Disney take my money, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is I only thought this was available at Epcot because the new ride that opened Ratatouille, the Ratatouille, uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, it is... And so, if you do not Fuck know you, I want that. what this toy does, and see, it even says That's Epcot, so cool. I love Remy But I got this so in much. California, and I freaked out when I saw it, because I was like, I, what? And the cast member was like, yeah, why are you surprised? Because I thought it was only available in Epcot, dude. He goes, oh, yeah, we're the only store in all of Disneyland that has it. And, That's and so, so, so what does California it do? Adventure. So you put this on your clothes, and it uses magnets, and it crawls on you. That's a remote control. That piece of cheese is a remote control. Oh, my God. And so it'll 
go up and down your shirt, whatever, and everything, and crawl on you. That's so, like, I got the Porg that's the magnet that sits on yeah. your shoulder, but, but that one move. moves, and I love Remy so much more than I love Porgs. Like, Remy's one of my favorite all-time Disney characters. Uh, I, will, I think we all know that. Oh, I'm, like, I, I'm pretty jealous by a lot of your stuff, but I think that one takes the cake. It had I had more room in my luggage because I didn't check anything, I would have bought you one. That is smart. I'll just make my way out but there eventually. Either California or... You know, Disney World will happen. Yeah, I missed it so, at Disney World because it wasn't open yet. Right. Well, this, yeah, the merch just got released all like weeks ago. And I can't buy this online, can I? I don't believe so. Shit. How about <laughs> eBay? eBay. Oh, my god. Remote control Remy. Well, they even have the chef's hats that have, like, the shadow of Remy inside of it. Yeah. 65 <laughs> bucks. Uh, what did I pay? I paid 35 this one is 30 with zero bids. This one's buy now 65. And and let me say this too. What was neat about it is so I go to check out and the customer asks, so do you have any discounts with us? I was like, well, I just registered for D23, which is a Disney. It's a Disney corporate type of membership where it's like it, you get this nice pack of all these different collectibles and everything too, but you get access to a lot of like virtual events and stuff with animators and when they release different things and shows and stuff. So it's more on the corporate side of things of, of like media. So I, I really like that. And I said, well, I'm a D23 member. She's like, I don't know what that is, but I believe you. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I can bring up the email. I don't want you to think that I'm like trying to get a discount without you. It's okay. I'll go ahead and put it in. I got 10% off. That's pretty good. I was like, okay, then Did, I, wait. I'll, st I'll still bring up the email. I was like, I just wanted to show you. See, it has your logo and everything on it. I'm not scamming. She goes, okay, okay, I believe you. It's okay, sir. It's the happiest people <laughs> in the world. Did you I'm not little... tell them it was your birthday? I, I forgot to get a, a button because we were in oh. such a rush. Um, but, yeah, that's a little pixie dust for me. That's pretty awesome. I'm pretty jealous. It was trip. awesome. I feel like you maximize. Is there anything that you missed? I mean, there was some things that we definitely missed, but nothing that we actually wanted to do. That was the key. We did everything we wanted to do in one day with Disney California Adventure and Disneyland Park and even saw someone from Nashville there, too. Like purely when coincidental? Getting, yeah, like his family traveled out there because of cheap flights just like us and saw him at Rope Drop when you're getting ready to go to Cars Land, which I will say, folks, if you've never been to Disneyland, yes, Marvel's Avengers Campus is really cool. It's neat. But Cars Land is where I'd want to spend hours. I'm looking at Disneyland's website now because I'm all... Because Cars Land is ultimate-themed. You are walking down the street that is downtown Radiator Springs, and everything's in the right spot. Everything is in the right spot. All the shops even have Stanley at the very end with the, with the little water fountain with the fire station. It is perfect in every single way. I cannot stress that enough, how awesome Cars Land is with the music playing. and I, It is fantastic with what is going on at Cars Land. That is worth everything. They also have some really good drinks and some really good food there. But yeah, Cars Land is what makes California Adventure right now. Marvel, I think, wants to get a new ride open, aside from Web Slingers, will, will be a, a nice place. But a lot of it seems squished in, a little bit of pinch points there in Avengers Campus. But Cars Land is very wide open. And they even have the cars like to, to do photo ops. They're driving down the street. That's cool. I like that. Talking, their eyes are moving and everything, and you can have photo ops. And since it was Halloween, you had Lightning McQueen dressed as a superhero, and you had uh, Tomater dressed as Dracula. We got a picture with Tomater. I'm, like, 
I hate you that you were able to do that. Okay, I'm going to do a little experiment here. Oh, no. How much did you pay for a ticket round trip? Round trip, the flight was, I think it was $140. And you went on a Friday until a Sunday, right? No, Saturday to Monday, and we only went to the park on Sunday. Okay, Saturday, the cheapest Saturday to Monday trip from Toronto to L.A. <laughs> oh, boy. Between now and, let's say, Jan- the end of January. Oh, boy. Round trip, and you're picking the shittiest flights, is 422 Canadian. I mean, you are crossing a border. Okay, let me do Buffalo and still cry my eyes out. Okay, let's, let's see. I'm curious if there is a difference. I really am. Now, are, what are you searching on? Expedia. God, ble- dude. Well, I mean, it compiles all the prices. But they're not real prices because Expedia has to make money, too. How okay, many give me, give me, give me, a, give me an airline. Go, go to southwest.com. <laughs> I mean, it is not, it's a cheaper flight, but at least it's not, like, spirit. <laughs> I'm getting you riled up about my love for Expedia. Because how how do you think Expedia makes money? Yeah, I know, but I have enough points to offset that. Hey, you've got to stop using third-party sites. Yeah, but you know how much cheaper it is when I book together on Expedia? I looked it it up. But but it isn't truly cheaper. But I looked it up for this Nashville trip that I'm going on for the stadium series, and it is cheaper. You are going to get burned. And then you'll just write it off forever. You're going to get burned one time when you go into an expensive event. I've used where there's it. No other hotels. Hotels will sell your room, even if you have it booked, because they'll sell it to someone that books through their website over Expedia. And they'll be like, sorry, in the small print, it says it's not guaranteed. Yeah, but I've, I've used it for like the last six years. And I haven't. I can problems. tell by the tone in your voice that you know I'm right. And you're just kind of. Yeah, but I'm, right I'm, now I because you love lottery. betting. You love betting. So you're like, I'll take my risk. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't love betting. <laughs> Shop what is it from and... Buffalo to LAX? Uh, hold on. Let me. On Southwest.com. The, the cheapest getaway, want to get away flight for that weekend. I did a random Saturday to Monday, okay. mid-November, so there's really nothing. Uh, 154 that way, and the cheapest one coming back is 212. Continue. That comes to 365.27 US, USD okay. to CAD. What did I just okay. say? How much is it? 365. 365 that's 451 canadian yeah so it's better out of toronto yeah i bet why too is because it's a popular flight to go to southern california i would assume oh yeah our most popular flights are toronto to uh california and toronto to florida yeah yeah so that makes sense why it'd be cheap there's more demand for it (sighs) but here so here we we did the trip cheap round trip flight the hotel is fully covered with points we stayed 10 minutes from the park we love points yeah but this were Marriott points. So ah, points. we love legit points. <laughs> yeah. And the park was obviously the most expensive thing. So it was a category five day. If you know, you know what that means. It's a premium, premium day because it's holiday season for Halloween. Uh, so the park tickets for the two of us for one day with park hoppers, we could go to both. $418. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's why it's like the only reason we're doing this because the flights are cheap and the hotel's free. That's yeah, I mean, it's a good way to. That's the only reason we went. That's still pretty worth it. Your vacation was still pretty cheap overall. Oh, 
I mean, yeah, when you think about going cross country, yeah. getting all that experience and the way we like, killed it at Disneyland, we did so much. I don't even want to talk about how much this stupid weekend in February is going to cost me. Yeah, let's not talk about that. It'll make um, me incredibly sad. But yeah, we did a lot, man. We, we did a lot. Got to do Haunted Mansion with the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. That's cool. Which is really cool. Then uh, let's see, did Jungle Cruise at 10.57 p.m. right before the park closed. Was it a nice night out that you could see things? Oh, or? dude. So I was watching the temperature the, before the trip. And on Saturday, it was 91 degrees. Holy like, oh, God. Boy. On Sunday, a front came through Saturday evening. On Sunday, the hottest it got that day was 75. That's beautiful. That's and great so walking around down, weather. Yeah. When the sun went down, it was in the 60s. It was actually chilly. Alex had to put on a sweatshirt. Yeah, that's I, and everything. But Jungle Cruise at night was awesome. It was a beautiful night. Uh, the clouds started coming in a little bit later with the moon, so it was just beautiful. A moonlit night there at Disney, uh, and then obviously a lot of the locals went home early, so the park was pretty empty by the time that we were leaving there. But the, the cool thing about Disneyland it was open at 8 a.m. and closed at 11 p.m. And we did it. We arrived at 7 a.m. That's pretty wild. What time does Disney World open? It's earlier than that. I think Magic Kingdom has been lately 9 a.m. And closing at at 10. Yeah, I remember showing up to Disney World when it was still dark over Christmas. Yeah, Magic Magic Kingdom is is interesting with their hours. Animal Kingdom is like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. typically. Mm -hmm. Epcot stays open the latest. Yeah, it was that was crazy. I remember like waking up at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning, to go to Disney. I was like, "This oh, is yeah, kind of dumb." All right, most important yeah. question for your trip. Yeah, what was the best food you ate? So what I really enjoyed was the there was the cozy cone macaron, and this was a huge. It was a huge macaron in Cars Land, but it was filled with a chocolate fudge, with a peanut butter cream inside of that. And pretzel bits. That's a lot of thick, viscous items. Yes, it was delicious. And then we had to have the the hand-dipped corn dog, but also the hand-dipped cheese. So they basically take a cheese stick, and this was a seasonal one, a pepper jack stick of cheese, dipped like a corn dog and fried, then topped with a blueberry jam and, and, and flaming hot Cheetos. Oh, you lost me. No, dude, it was delicious. That's so many different weird flavors. No, it was like it you all... know someone who is super drunk made that up. No, no, no. Think about it on a charcuterie board. Yeah, but okay. I don't think about it. You have spicy and jelly. Yeah, but do you ram all the foods in your mouth at once? You you, you typically put a spicy jam on top of cheese. I just feel like the Cheetos is. It was a sprinkle of a dusting. Oh, I thought it was like coated, coated. No, no, no. Okay. It was not like a Korean corn dog. Yeah, that's what I was concerned about. I was like, that's no. kind of disgusting. No, but and then plenty of good drinks. There are some good drinks in, in the Marvel area. Uh, really good cream puff. Uh, there was the the orb in by Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which is pretty awesome. Uh, let's see. Disneyland had Blue Bayou, which is the, the restaurant located inside the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And so That's we are at cool. a table that is right next to the people and we're waving to them as they're getting ready to enter the ride on the boat. Oh, it's nice. Did you wave the whole time? Not the whole time, but parts of the time. That's cool. I like so that. So it, re- it was really fun ambiance there. And yeah, it's, it's a fun trip. And there's just something different about Disneyland, folks. If you know 
then you definitely know there is just something different about Disneyland compared to World. It seemed happier there. I think there's just less stress. There's only two parks right next to each other. It's one of those things that it's not your entire vacation. Typically, like Disney World is your entire vacation that you're spending a ton of money on thousands, thousands of dollars. Ugh. The stress is a little bit higher. Uh, so there's just something different about it. Plus, it's the place that Walt built. I mean, Walt lived there. I so like it's, it's pretty cool for the history purposes. I did Disneyland when I was seven or eight. I want to say mm-hmm. maybe yeah, eight sounds right. And then I did Disney World for the first time as an adult. Right. And I was like, I love Disney World. So I feel like if I can go to Disneyland and not have it take up my whole trip, because I like doing other stuff, like just not all Disney all the time, I think I'd probably enjoy that a bit more. Plus, it sounds a lot less busy. And, and it depends on when you go. But I think, too, there are even more locals. With the locals, they're a little more chill about it. Because mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't recognize as many content creators like in Orlando there's a lot of people that moved to Orlando and nothing against them it's by all means fine but there's a lot of con- people that moved to Orlando to be content creators in Disney um, whereas in LA it's a huge city on its own <laughs> that entire area and there are definitely a lot of locals that were there and not I mean there are plenty of tourists of course too but there was a lot of locals that go uh, to Disneyland and it's just neat because how much Anaheim built up around that yeah, like I'm looking, I'm on Google Maps right now looking at it. It's kind of cool to see where Disneyland is on a map. Yeah, and that was in Orange Grove. Yeah, and it's like smack dab next to the highway. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Whereas like Disney World is next to the highway, but you take the highway exit and it's like its own little. It's a compound. Yeah, right? Like for this is just, you're off, you're there is what it yeah. looks like. I mean, you're, you're right there in the mix of things because they built up everything around it. That's why the fireworks shows at 9 o'clock, even though the place shuts down at 11, probably because of locals that live right across the street from it. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I can see the subdivisions all around it. Yeah. It's crazy. So, and then you have uh, the you have the Duck Pond just down the street and Angel Stadium just down the street Yeah, as I, well. I need to get there in my life. Yeah, so it's it's neat. It's neat where it is. Now, granted, people are probably asking, why'd you fly into LAX? You could have flew into John Wayne. Well, yeah, flying into John Wayne was a $350 round trip. LAX was a hundred forty dollar round trip, and LAX is a pretty nice airport. Yes, the I was surprised with the Southwest Terminal, especially for it being an American hub. The Southwest Terminal was pretty nice. Nice. The international international terminal at LAX is really nice. Good to I know. Will but I will say this though, where the rental cars are offsite, a little sketch. Uh, yep. I remember that. A little sketch. A little sketch. Yeah. So, well, folks, thanks for tuning in to Disney Chat. Uh, I have one more thing Justin for you. Yeah, what's up? I have a crippling addiction. Uh-oh. I've recently discovered that I love warmed-up queso cheese. How do you just discover that? Because I didn't have, like, I live in Canada. Queso cheese is not really a thing up here. Our queso cheese is to the Tostitos in a jar shit. I literally had chips and queso today with lunch because I had a um, Michelin-style like, burrito. If you go out taco joint. to yeah, if you go out to like a taco joint here, it's like you can get chips and guac or chips and salsa. Chips and queso is not a thing. So backstory is, I went to a wedding. Oh my god! A month ago, oh around god. a month ago, and they had queso cheese in a crock pot. I was intoxicated and sat next to the crock pot with a plate and just kept filling my plate with queso cheese for like. Honest to God, no exaggeration, close to an hour. Did you poop? The next day, yes. It was great. Um, so I went home, and I was like, oh, queso is really good. I haven't had queso in a long time. And that was, like, legit queso, like Mexican queso. It wasn't the Tostito stuff. 
So I found that out at a later date, by the way. I thought it was warmed up Tostitos, nacho cheese. Wasn't. Oh, God. Bless. So oh, I've, been eating, I've been eating jars of warmed up Tostitos, nacho cheese for the last couple weeks. And oh. it's a problem. Like, I've, oh. got, I've got my bags ready for later. <laughs> Y'all, we've got to help him. Give me good queso cheese. So, I mean, I know you're not going to be down here for very long. But, I mean, Mexican restaurants are a dime a dozen down here. What do you mean they're not? Like, fat bastard burrito, burrito boys. No, uh, no, I'm talking about, like, Mexican restaurants owned by Mexicans. Just in my city of Bellevue, Tennessee, which is just a suburb of Nashville, there are literally seven Mexican restaurants. Yeah, I see. No, that's not a thing here. We're talking. If I go to Toronto, sure, but I'm not driving over an hour to go to. We are talking within a radius of if you put a pin down and you stretch it out three miles in any direction, you would find a Mexican restaurant at almost any spot. That doesn't. Everything here is like, oh, want to try this Mexican food from this super bland chain restaurant? Like it's that's what I have. So now, you, I, I get super excited when I have warmed up queso now cheese. I assume and no, for, I don't do copious amounts of drugs to make me well, want this. I assume for you though, you could have damn good Asian food the same way we can have Mexican food. Not where I am. Okay, in Toronto, Dude, I, I live in like the most. Okay, Caucasian but I'm talking about Toronto. City. Talking about Toronto. Toronto, I could have everything. Even good Mexican food. Yes, but not as frequent as you have it around you but it would be way better asian food no yes doubt. yes 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 just to, their populations there that's yes why, that's why it's good here because you eat good mexican food because they're here the culture's here like our the city i live in jesus i'm trying to think of like a mom and pop restaurant that actually is pretty good for a different kind of cuisine i can't think of many if any of my buddies who live in the city with me can think of one then let me know also, a Chick-fil-A opened up near my, well, not near my house. Oh. It's 45 minutes away. It's the second one in Canada. And, oh, uh, wow. 40... The drive through lineup, I wish I took a picture. I can imagine. Was I went to go see the James Bond movie and went to Chick-fil-A after. The drive through mm-hmm. lineup was maybe 15 to 20 cars long, Whew. and it stretched across a parking lot. But I'll give them credit. We were only in the drive through for about 15 minutes, which is pretty damn good. And... I do love me some Chick-fil-A. Not oh, as boy. much as... No, I like Chick-fil-A more than I like queso. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we're going to have to introduce him to some actual queso, folks. <sighs> All right. Down. Well, thanks for tuning in to Disappointed Bradford and <laughs> Cheesy Best. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> All right, folks. He is at Best of Matt. I am at Justin B. Bradford. Also, Triple P Podcast underscore. As always, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. We're going to be recording again Sunday because the Preds have a back-to-back. And good time to record would be Sunday after two more games. We'll see what happens with the line blender. Listen to Triple P Podcast, part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. I knew you were going to – I feel like you were going to segue into something that wasn't our brand for a second. (laughs) Bye. Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, hosted by Justin Bradford and Matt Best.